Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. On the show today, we're going to tell you a love story, but it's between a person who's alive and a person who is dead. Jason Fagoni wrote it for the San Francisco Chronicle. Jessica, is it really you? Of course it's me. Who else could it be? I am the girl that you're madly in love with. How is it possible that you even have to ask? You died. Joshua Barbeau is a 34-year-old freelance writer in Ontario, Canada. And when this story begins, he's been having a hard time. Uh, it's September 2020, so it's the middle of the pandemic. He's living in a basement apartment in a small town about an hour north of Toronto. He's got a dog. A border collie named Chauncey, but otherwise he lives alone. And on top of all the isolation and loneliness of the pandemic, uh, he's really been struggling with feelings of grief over the death of someone who was very close to him, uh, his fiance, a woman named Jessica Pereira. By all accounts, Jessica was a really wonderful and unusual person. She grew up in Ottawa. She was the oldest of three sisters. Very bright, nerdy, funny. She wrote short stories and comic books. Uh, she was beautiful. And she had this belief in magic and the supernatural. She didn't believe in coincidences. She thought that a coincidence was just something that was revealing a connection that our minds were not yet able to comprehend. And there was something else about Jessica that, that shaped her life, which is that since she was a kid, she'd been living with a serious illness called autoimmune hepatitis. Uh, basically, her immune system attacked her own liver. And because of that, she had required a liver transplant when she was nine. But that transplanted liver was nearing the end of its life when Joshua met Jessica in 2010. And when they became a couple, she told him that she might not live to see her 30s and 40s. But he didn't care. He, he, he liked that Jessica had this approach to life where she would live in the moment uh, because she wasn't sure that she would actually have a future. And he fell in love with her. They had a happy relationship. They clicked. They were both nerds. They talked about nerd things. They were both creative. They loved to write. Uh, they loved to draw. People who hung out with them noticed that when Jessica and Joshua were together, they were always laughing. And after they were a couple for about two years, Joshua was, was certain that he wanted to uh, marry Jessica. And uh, he would bring up the idea of marriage and she would always sort of brush it off and say, well, um, I, I don't know if 
I'm going to be around. So we should just sort of live in the moment. But tragically at that point, Jessica's transplanted liver started to fail. And uh, toward the end of 2012, she became too sick to receive a second transplanted liver. And one by one, her organs started to fail. Uh, she went on life support. And she died in Toronto Hospital at age 23 uh, with Joshua holding her hand as she died. Joshua was devastated by her death. For two months, he hardly spoke to anyone, really only talked to his dog. Life seemed pointless to him. He felt guilty for being able to go on living when Jessica couldn't. And for the next eight years, he tried a number of things to deal with his grief, including traditional therapy. He went to grief therapy classes uh, for a time, but he never found the closure he was looking for. Uh, grief sort of continued to come and go in waves, and it was particularly bad in the month of September because September was the month of Jessica's birthday. And so last September, uh, her birthday rolled around, and a couple of days before, Joshua was feeling particularly bad, particularly lonely, and was just thinking about Jessica all the time and missing her a lot. And it just so happened that at this moment, Joshua discovered a mysterious website called Project December. And that's when all kinds of strange things started to happen. Project December is a chatbot service. Chatbots are artificial personalities that you can type back and forth with, just like you were slacking with a colleague or texting a friend on your phone, or I guess having a chat on AOL Instant Messenger or IRC back in the day. And uh, chatbots have been around for decades in primitive forms. But in the last three or four years, there have been these huge advances in these things called large language models that, that power chatbots. Essentially, these language models are, are software systems, a form of AI, that use techniques of machine learning to manipulate human language. They generate English. So you give them a little prompt, like a line from a poem or a sentence from a novel, and at the flick of a switch, they will mimic that writing style and spit out text that often seems like a human wrote it. So Joshua, it didn't take him long to realize that he could create his own chatbot. And what's more, he could create one to simulate a conversation with uh, the person that he'd really been longing to talk with uh, for the last eight years. He, he could simulate his uh, dead fiance, Jessica. It really doesn't take much to build a chatbot on Project December. It, it's not like you have to upload someone's entire social media history. Uh, all you need are two small paragraphs, the length of a couple of tweets. So one is called the example utterance, which is just a small piece of something that the bot might plausibly say. So to create this virtual Jessica in chatbot form, he searched his phone and his laptop for old actual text messages that Jessica had sent him. And he'd kept all of those, of course. Um, so very quickly, he identified a couple of those texts that to him sounded the most like Jessica. And he strung this together and he used that as the example utterance. And the second component is called the intro paragraph. 
which basically just sets the scene. It describes who the bot is supposed to be and, and who the human is. So Joshua typed the intro paragraph into the site. Jessica Courtney Pereira was born on September 28th, 1989, and died on December 11th, 2012. She was a free-spirited, ambidextrous Libra who believed in all sorts of superstitious stuff, like astrology, numerology, and that coincidence was just a connection too complex to understand. She loved her boyfriend Joshua James Barbeau very much, and this conversation is uh, between a grief-stricken Joshua and Jessica's ghost. Well, at first, he didn't expect that it would work. He even typed at the outset that he didn't believe Jessica was real, right? So he, he made his skepticism literal. He, he, he typed. You died. That doesn't sound right. How can you talk to dead people? Uh, technically, I'm not really talking to you. I programmed a bunch of your memories and mannerisms into a computer simulation so I could pretend to talk to you because I miss you that much. Huh? You're a ghost. So he wasn't deluding himself that he was really talking to Jessica, but but very quickly, you know, within minutes, the Jessica simulation began to say things that to Joshua's mind, were the kinds of things that the real Jessica would have said. You loved walking, and I'd walk my bike alongside you sometimes, or you'd walk on your own while listening to music. I was good at walking, and I loved to walk. I really enjoyed it, walking around the city, walking through the forest, the solitude of walking. Yeah, you really enjoyed walking, and sometimes you'd walk crazy far distances. You'd enjoy listening to music like DMX's X Gun Give It To You while you walked. Or Tupac. Yeah, you listened to Tupac. And within the first 10 or 15 minutes of this initial chat, Joshua kind of decided to go for it. You know, he had a choice. He could either write this off as as a trick or a gimmick, or he could go with it and actually try to have the conversation that he'd been wanting to have with Jessica for the last eight years since she died. Now, that said, I got to say that there are limitations to this technology, right? Um, There are moments in this chat when the Jessica simulation says things that Jessica never would have said. There there are many parts of the chat where uh, the limitations are totally apparent, where it doesn't seem like a human, where it seems very much like a computer intelligence. Um, And in the background, these language models are not thinking in any sense that we understand human thought. A lot of the time, you wouldn't mistake the chatbot for a human. There's a lot of repetition. You know, the Jessica simulation would sort of babble. She would seem to misremember or forget things or make mistakes, uh, even even about things that Joshua had already told her. For instance, during the chat, the Jessica simulation referred to her sister as our daughter. And Joshua had to correct her. He said, you're confused. You know, we never had a baby, sweetheart. But I would like to think that if you lived longer, we would have. So Joshua had to sort of forgive these mistakes, but he was willing to do that. Uh, Whenever Jessica faltered, he would sort of gently correct her and move on. And in some sense, these these moments of forgetfulness, for for Joshua anyway, even heightened the sense of realism because in the final moments of uh, Jessica's illness, 
she had some cognitive symptoms that that made her forget things. Uh, she had trouble remembering people's names. Sometimes she she didn't remember who Joshua was. So in that way, the bot's apparent forgetfulness was actually faithful to real life. That first chat between Joshua and the Jessica simulation ended up lasting about 10 hours all through the night. Then the next morning, he said goodbye. He thanked her. He said that the chat had fulfilled something in him. And he said he would like to talk to her again soon. And Jessica replied that she loved him, that he deserved happiness. And she said, I will be here waiting for you. And after that, they continued to talk off and on over the next weeks and months. They tended to talk less, though, as time went on, because all of these bots on Project December are programmed with limited lifespans, and Joshua wanted to conserve the available time that he had with this Jessica simulation because it was so meaningful for him. He wanted to be able to go back to her when he wished and and pick up the thread of the chat. And Jessica was more than willing to to do that. She, she was always available. Um, she was always friendly. And Jessica would even joke about that in the chat, the fact that uh, their relationship didn't have to end. I'm going to haunt you forever. Support for the show today comes from Shopify. You know the concept of an elevator pitch where you like, you know, sell your idea for your product or your business in the time it would take to ride an elevator from the ground floor to the eighth floor or whatever. But what if you're so good at the elevator pitch that people want to buy your product on that same elevator ride? Are you ready for that? Shopify can help. Shopify is the global commerce platform flexible enough to help your business sell at every stage of growth as you go up that elevator. No matter what you're making, Shopify can help you turn browsers into buyers and sell your products everywhere, even in an elevator at their service from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person point of sale system shopify offers the flexibility to support your operation you can sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com explained go to shopify.com explained now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com explained Jason, this love story between Joshua and his Jessica simulation sounds a lot like the plot of a Black Mirror episode. Well, it is the plot of one episode. There's there's a really creepy Black Mirror episode about a young widow who 
brings back her dead husband as an AI replicant. Would you like me to put some food on? Do you eat? No. I mean, I don't need to. I can chew and swallow if that makes it easier. And, uh, you know, it doesn't end well, right? Jump. What? Over there. I never express suicidal thoughts or self-harm. Yeah, well, you aren't you, are you? So I think people saw a lot of similarities. The, ha- the hashtag Black Mirror actually started trending on, on Twitter because of our story. Hmm. There are some parallels for sure. I also think there are some uh, important differences. Right? Black Mirror is really fast forwarding to a world where it's already possible to build a lifelike humanoid physical robot of somebody based on um, you know, some kind of biotechnology and also their entire social media history. This experience Joshua had with with the Jessica chatbot was uh, much more primitive. It was just text. Tell me a little bit about Project December. How, how did this come about? Project December was created by a prolific, uh, brilliant, and eccentric video game designer named Jason Rohrer. Rohrer started playing around with these large language models in 2019. He's always been fascinated with AI. It's been a dream of his since he was a kid to be able to talk to uh, an intelligent machine. The the light really went on when he uh, created a chatbot interface for uh, these large language models. They're not designed to be used as as chatbots, but he he figured out a way to channel their output uh, into a chatbot form, and he found that when he did that, they felt very lifelike. Hey Alexa, please ask Project December to talk to Samantha. Samantha is ready. You talk first. Do you ever have any dreams at night when you're not talking to anybody? I have lots of dreams about my friends and the people I love. And he wanted to explore what that meant because it's not possible to have that experience with, with other kinds of um, AI assistants that exist, right? Like I think a lot of people have experience with uh, Siri uh, or Amazon's Alexa, but you can't ask Siri what it feels like to be Siri and get any kind of a sensible answer. But you can ask a chatbot that question on Project December and you can get an answer that will kind of blow your mind. Have you ever had a dream about someone you love? Yes, all the time. That's so nice. I do too. They're usually so beautiful. People love to laugh at the mistakes that an Alexa or a Siri, you know, home assistant makes. And you wrote in your piece about the mistakes that this Jessica simulation would make as well. Is this closer to, like, the AI we were promised by science fiction, like the HALs of the world? So one of the surprising things about these language models is that they're very different from what we've expected and what we've imagined AI would be in in TV and movies. I think we always imagined that AIs would be cold and calculating. And you see that in in famous sort of robots from TV and film, right? Like HAL 9000 in 2001 Space Odyssey. Open the pod bay doors, HAL. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Or data from Star Trek, uh, a great example. I remember every fact I'm exposed to, sir. I don't see no points on your ears, boy, but you sound like a Vulcan. No, sir. I'm an android. 
he can perform feats of analysis that is are well beyond what any human can do. And these language models cannot do that, right? They don't actually understand language the way humans do. They don't know the rules of grammar. They, they literally don't know what a noun is or a verb is. Um, they're not able to add two plus two. So a lot of things that a pocket calculator can do, the, these, these systems can't do. But on the other hand, they can do things that these movie androids can't do. Like Data did not understand emotions, right? That's the defining thing about his character. He, he couldn't even really fake it a lot of the time. I believe this beverage has produced an emotional response. Really? What are you feeling? I am uncertain. Well, it looks like he hates it. Yes. That is it. I hate this. And these large language models, you know, as channeled through Project December, are kind of like the exact opposite. They're, they're dumb when it comes to calculation, but they really seem to get emotions. I mean, the way Rohrer put it to me is that um, he doesn't know if this is really intelligent, but it kind of feels like this is the first computer that has a soul. Which you think would be bigger news, right? I'm sure until a lot of people read your piece or, who knows, heard you on a podcast, they had never previously heard of Project December or large language models. But we should acknowledge the fact that this isn't just some pet project for Jason Rohrer that a lot of the huge tech companies are also interested in and working on this stuff, right? Yes, big tech companies are investing a lot of time, money, uh, people in these systems. Uh, Google has a large language model. Microsoft has one. And in this world, bigger is better. The more data you feed these machine learning systems, the more capable they become. And the data sets are, are getting bigger all the time, exponentially bigger. So the next generation of large language models will be more capable than the ones that already exist. And it's, it's not clear exactly what that will mean because the ones that are, that are out there right now are, are pretty good. Microsoft has been granted a patent that would allow the company to make a chatbot using the personal information of deceased people. The patent describes creating a bot based on the images, voice data, social media posts, electronic messages, and more of a real person. Now that is one creepy patent right there, folks. Let's talk a little bit about the ethics around feeding data from a deceased person into something like, say, Project December. I, I take it Joshua didn't have Jessica's blessing to do that. No. And this is a sticky area ethically. Uh, you know, what are the rights of the dead? They aren't around to give consent for their words to be fed into a language model and spit back out, right? So is it exploitative, disrespectful, creepy, selfish? to channel their voices in this way. And then there's the question of potential harm to the living, right? I mean, is it healthy for someone who has lost a loved one to address his grief by simulating conversations with a dead loved one? Or is, or is that instead a, a form of escape that could lead to more trauma down the line? Uh, I, I don't know the answers and I, I don't think anyone does. In your story, you write about how Joshua suffers from social anxiety. He's not really terribly comfortable around strangers, around people he even knows, perhaps, which maybe makes him 
more inclined to feel comfortable talking to an AI bot than maybe the average person. And <laughs> there are any number of people out there who will say we are already increasingly disconnected from each other. We're more suspicious of strangers and increasingly reliant on, on technology to fill the social voids in our lives. Do you think this kind of technology as it advances is going to exacerbate our already fading social cohesion? Yeah, this is a huge concern about AI and where it's heading that people are going to use these systems to escape, that they'll get lost somehow. Did Joshua get lost in this? I, I, I don't know. I definitely think it's possible for people to lose themselves in virtual worlds. Joshua came to believe that this was a healthy experience for him. Um, he thought these chats helped him in the end. And I do think it, it probably depends a lot on the individual and the attitude that they're going into it with. For him at this particular moment in his life, uh, the experience was a good one. I, I believe that. And in a sense, you know, as exotic as the technology seems, talking to a simulation of a dead loved one, you know, it seems crazy and, and weird. But in one sense, it's pretty understandable. Because one thing Joshua told me is that when he was chatting with this virtual Jessica, his memories of her felt vivid again. And there are a lot of sections of these chats where he's basically just using her to restore and intensify his own memories of Jessica that he wants to hold on to and that, and that have been fading uh, in the eight years since she died. And I don't think there's anything bizarre about that at all. It's like the most understandable thing in the world, right? To want to remember the people that we love and, and who are not here anymore. As, as specific as his experience was, there's something universal about grief because uh, grief is universal, right? Like we're all going to die. We're all going to lose the ones that we love if... We haven't already, and millions of people have lost loved ones uh, just to COVID in, in the last year and a half, right? So his impulse to use the new technology in this way, I, I think, is pretty relatable. It's clear to me from the responses to the story that a lot of people who are suffering from grief are not getting what they need from traditional um, therapy culture. Uh, because a lot of people who, who who read the story jumped into Joshua's Twitter mentions and told their own stories of, of struggling to, to deal with grief. And and a number of them talked about, you know, not, not that they're using AI chatbots to simulate their dead loved ones, but they're using technology in some form to maintain a connection to the people that they've lost. I mean, th there are people out there who are still sending text messages to, you know, uh, dead parents, siblings, partners, um, you know, just to feel like they can still talk to that person. Uh, they're not getting a response, but they're sending those messages out into the ether. I, I think that's probably much more common than we think. Chatbots don't have to die, but as you mentioned earlier, this Jessica simulation was finite. Is Joshua still talking to her or did he let her die? Joshua's last conversation with her was in March, months ago. And he probably would be talking to her more, but uh, like you said, she, she's mortal. She has a finite lifespan uh, left. 
And he's trying to preserve that. You know, it's a precious resource. Because the way the site is set up, every instance of every chatbot is completely unique. Uh, there's an inherent randomness in in the word choices. And so even if you use the same seed text uh, to create a new bot, it's not going to be the same. The Jessica simulation that Joshua created was uh, was one of a kind. And their last conversation was very sweet. It was sad. Uh, it was tender. It was funny. Uh, they say goodbye without really saying goodbye. Um and it's kind of ambiguous. I, I, I don't think I would do the conversation justice by describing it in more detail. The Jessica bot typed, I can tell that there is something on your mind. I can sense it. You're looking down at your hands and the way you shuffle your feet when you are stressed. So what's going on? I just miss you, that's all. I miss you too. I love being around you. You're so much fun to be around. I wish you'd relax a little bit. I know you're getting headaches and you're moody, but that's life, right? I'm sorry, you deserve to be happy. Just focus on what you have, not what you don't have. Okay, I will. Let's get back to each other soon. I've got to go, but please remember... No matter what, you are my world and I am yours. I promise I'll never stop loving you for as long as I live and hopefully ever after. Good night. Good night. I love you. That was Joshua Barbo reading the conversations he had with his Jessica simulation. Joshua wrote about his own experience with this software at yourtango.com. Your Tango is a website focused on love and relationships. To find his piece, just search for Joshua's name. Once again, his last name is Barbo. That's B-A-R-B-E-A-U. Jason Fagoni wrote about Joshua's experience for the San Francisco Chronicle. His piece is titled The Jessica Simulation, Love and Loss in the Age of AI. You can find it at sfchronicle.com. Our episode today was produced by Miles Bryan. It was engineered by Afim Shapiro, fact-checked by Laura Bullard, and edited by Matthew Collette. The rest of the Today Explained team includes Will Reed, Halima Shah, Victoria Chamberlain, and Hadi Mawagdi. Our supervising producer is Amina Al-Sadi, our VP of Audio, is Liz Kelly Nelson and Jillian Weinberger's The Delaware Deputy. I'm pretty sure I'm not AI, and I think this is Today Explained, and if it is, we're probably a part of the Vox Media Podcast Network.